All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast, episode number 24. My name is Haley. I'm going to be your host today and every single day that you are tuning in. Guys, we got a fun topic today. We're going to be talking about alternative remedies, and I'm going to kind of be reacting to them, ranking them, saying if I'd be interested in doing them, if not. Uh, but before we dive into it, I just want to go over a couple of things, a couple of few updates for you guys. So, I just announced today that I now have an Amazon storefront, which is super exciting. If you know me, you know that I love Amazon. This sweater is from Amazon, uh, this candle. There's so much stuff. Um, this lighting, most of my podcast studio setup, all my equipment, or most of it rather, is actually from Amazon as well. So all of my uh, storefront you know, idealists on there are all products that I love, that I totally stand behind, things that I use and that I'd love to share with you guys because I love saving money and I have found some amazing dupes for workout gear on Amazon and other things as well. So uh, definitely check that out. I'm going to leave a link to it in the description and I'm also going to leave a link on the screen here if you're watching this. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it might be, you can also watch it on YouTube. So I'll leave a link there for you to check it out as well. But yeah, guys, I'm super excited to have that storefront. Check out those products. I have everything from like health and beauty to workout gear, tech gear, stuff that I've used here in my little studio setup, um, my favorite snacks, all different assortments of things. So definitely go ahead and check it out. All right. So that being said, we're going to go ahead and dive into today's topic, which is alternative remedies. Are they worth the hype? This is something that gets asked a lot, I feel like, especially in the wellness community, if you will, the spiritual community as well. There's lots of holistic alternative remedies that are very intriguing in my opinion. There's a lot of things that I have not tried that really have piqued my interest. And that's what I decided to do today was kind of do some research for you guys, um, give you a couple of different alternative remedies that I've looked into. And I'm just going to tell you guys what they're about and also my opinion on them. Um, so definitely stay tuned. We're going to be diving in here. So the first remedy we are going to be talking about is cupping. So I'm sure most of you are familiar with this. If you're not familiar, I'll just kind of give you my understanding of what it is, and then we'll dive into the more specifics of it. So basically, uh, if you ever see people, I think Michael Phelps had these circular kind of almost like hickeys. Uh, that's pretty much what they are um, all over his back, and that's a result of cupping. So it's basically um, a session where a practitioner will place round cups directly on your skin, and the cup is either first heated with fire or it's manually pumped to create a suction. And then they leave the cups on your skin for several minutes. So if you're watching this, I'm going to put a picture up of what that looks like, the results, uh, the aftermath. So like I said, Michael Phelps has done this before. There's a bunch of other celebrities that rave about cupping. I've seen it all over social media. But it's actually been around for thousands of years and it traces its roots to ancient Chinese and Egyptian medicine. So cupping was documented in one of the oldest medical textbooks in the world, the Eberus Papyrus. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. And that was written in 1550 BC. So that is such a long time ago, guys. That's something else I've noticed is a lot of these remedies we're going to be diving into are ancient. So they have been around for thousands of years. And it is believed that the suction created by the cup encourages blood flow. And this increased circulation may promote healing and reduce pain. So there's some good benefits to this. Um, and I'd be curious to hear if you've ever tried cupping, drop me a comment. Um, but there's also some side effects. So the primary side effects of cupping are bruising and skin irritation, um, both of which should probably heal on their own within seven to 10 days. But there's also a small risk of infection. So 
I did some research here. I actually found out that sometimes uh, the therapist will send you home with antibiotic ointment and a bandage to help reduce the risk of infection. So again, the benefits of that or the purported benefits, uh, increased blood flow, um, increased recovery time too. I am intrigued by it. I'm not too sure if this is like the first one on the list that I would try. It definitely seems interesting to me. I'm not too crazy about the idea of like a potential risk for infection with like those hickeys that they leave on your back. Um, But I would probably give it a try. Um, At the end, I will rank all of these remedies and tell you guys which one I would be most likely to try and which one I would be least likely to try. But as of right now, I mean, this is our starting point. So I would probably put this somewhere in the middle. It doesn't seem like it's too painful uh, from what I've heard. I know a few people in my life that have tried it and they didn't say it was too painful. So again, I personally have never tried it, but we'll put this one in the middle for now because again, we got a couple more to go over. All right. So the next one is Reiki healing. And I have actually tried this one and my mom actually, fun fact, is a certified Reiki healer. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, we'll dive into some specifics here. So Reiki is a very specific form of energy healing in which hands are kind of placed just off the body or they lightly touch the body as in a laying on of the hands. So Reiki can also be done long distance as a form of prayer, which is super interesting to me. There's so many fascinating things within Reiki. And I remember when my mom had gotten certified, um, they had said to her that the energy can actually be transferred through the computer, through wherever it might be. And there's different levels of Reiki certification. So there's like level one, level two. And then I think, I don't know if, what their terminology is for it, but there's like a master Reiki healer who uh, bestows that universal energy onto the other practitioners. So let's kind of backpedal, go into what exactly a Reiki session does. So in a Reiki session, the practitioner is seeking to transmit the universal life energy to the client. So like I said, they're transmitting that energy. And the intention is to create deep relaxation, to speed healing, to help reduce pain, and to decrease other symptoms that you might be experiencing. So emotional blockages, something that my mom had talked about a lot was how Reiki is very connected to each of the seven chakras and kind of determining which chakras are potentially blocked through that uh, practice of not even touching you physically, but just kind of keeping your hands over and again, feeling that energy. It's all very uh, energy-based. So... According to many versions of its origin, Dr. Mikao Usi, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right either, a Japanese seeker of spiritual truths, brought the Reiki method of healing into human awareness in 1922 after a deep spiritual experience. He is said to have begun teaching others after a serious earthquake hit Japan, and he felt urged to spread his knowledge. So again, going back to the purported benefits of Reiki, it's a treatment that's meant to relieve stress and pain, induce relaxation, again, releasing those emotional blockages, like I had said, accelerating natural healing, and also to balance the body's subtle energies and support other medical modalities, including traditional therapies. So you could almost view it as something that's supplemental. So I kind of wanted to give you guys a little bit of my experience with Reiki. So like I said, my mom is actually a certified Reiki healer. I think she's level one. I'm actually not too sure. But I remember when she had come home from that session, she practiced it on me. And in the Reiki that she was taught, uh, they don't even touch you physically. So it's basically just like hovering hands over you. So like if my arm were to be out here, if you're watching this, her hand would be like up here. So essentially what she would do is kind of go from head to toe 
And her focus there was figuring out which of my chakras were blocked. And it also lets them know um, what kind of parts of your body are maybe not in sync, not in tune, not in line. And I remember that they she did this strange thing where she would rub her hands together and then kind of like manipulate uh, the energy, if you will. And then as she was placing her hands over me, not even, you know, physically on me, I definitely felt uh, energy, like vibration. I specifically remember when she was going over my forehead, um, you know, like where your third eye would be, I felt this like immense sense of heat. And the way that she had explained it to me as well is that if she were to go over any body part, if she felt a cool spot in comparison to like the heat radiating off of another spot, then she would know that there was potentially something that was off like with that part of the body. And she had done that. And I hadn't even told her what I was feeling or what I was experiencing. And she had done that. She scanned my entire body and I had some knee problems around that time. And I remember that my right knee was bothering me and she was putting her hands over and I hadn't even said this to her. And, um, she said, okay, it feels kind of cool around your knee. Like, have you been having problems with your knee? And I was like, oh my God, yeah, it's been cramping up and a little bit tense since I've been running. So having tried this one, I would definitely, definitely want to try this again. Um, I do believe in it and I know it sounds kind of hokey pokey, but, uh, like I said, I experienced it firsthand. I'm telling you that I felt that energy, the heat, the vibration, whatever you want to call it. Um, I definitely felt that. So this one I'm going to put at the top of the list right now just because I've already tried it and I do think that it works. Now, did I feel a difference afterwards? Um, not really. Uh, I think it was just more, at least when she had done it on me, I, I had only done it that one time. I think she was just trying to like identify which areas were potentially blocked or not balanced. So there wasn't really a uh, remedy to that, uh, which I should have just had her do like since I was there. Um, but yeah, I would be curious to try it again and see if once I was aware of like what areas were potentially blocked or imbalanced, if they could transfer that energy to remedy it. So we'll put Reiki at the top of the list right now. All right. So our next one is another one that I have not yet tried, and that is acupuncture. I think we all know what acupuncture is. We all know that classic imagery of the person laying on the massage table with a thousand needles in their back. Um, but it's actually another ancient practice. So it's been studied for over 2,500 years. So acupuncture is a minimally invasive method to stimulate nerve-rich areas of the skin surface in order to influence tissues, glands, organs, and various functions of the body. So it's really interesting. I always wonder how people came up with this back then. Like who, who was it that picked up a needle and they said, okay, you know what? Let's just put a bunch of these in your back and see what happens. Like, let's let's see if that remedies you in any way. I'd, I'd be so curious to see what the thought process was behind that. As with many of these things, you know, you got to wonder uh, how, how people got to that point of um, figuring it out. So each acupuncture needle produces a tiny injury at the insertion site. And although it's slight enough to cause little to no discomfort, it is enough to single signal to let the body know that it needs to respond. So that's super interesting. So I've talked to people that have also done acupuncture. Again, they say that it doesn't hurt. Um, and it's not just on your back. They can put the needles, I believe, on your feet as well, other areas of your body. Um, but everybody that I have spoken to in my life that has tried acupuncture has not said that it's been a super painful experience. But essentially, this response involves stimulation of the immune system, promoting circulation to the area, wound healing, and pain modulation. So... There's a lot of contemporary research that has gone 
into this. Um, but it's also, again, deeply rooted in that ancient Chinese philosophy. So that's where it gets a little bit more esoteric, a little bit more kind of woo-woo, if you will. So again, that ancient Chinese philosophy, it's not deeply rooted in science. It's something that's a bit more philosophical. And basically, they believed that the human body was filled with an animated by an invisible life-giving force, which they called qi energy. And when the qi was flowing well and going to all the right places, then a person would experience good mental and physical health. And when the qi was flowing incorrectly, so if it was blocked or deficient, that person uh, would then experience illness. So this is super interesting to me. This goes this goes way back, like I said, over 2,500 years. This is sort of a really honestly good sign of trying to understand and trying to conceptualize the mind-body connection. So again, they think of that qi energy um, quantum physics, so many amazing, brilliant minds have, have figured out that everything in this universe is energy, including our being. Everything is vibration. Um, every, every part of us is. So for them to kind of figure that out and to realize that this chi energy, as they call it, is kind of always flowing through our body. And whenever it's out of balance, out of line, then we are out of balance and out of line. And whenever it is in balance and harmony, whenever it's good, then we're feeling good. And I think that that's a really um, early understanding of how our mind uh, shapes what we experience physically. Like our mental state will always have an effect on our physical health. And Dr. Joe Spenza talks about it so much, especially in his book, uh, Becoming Supernatural. If you're interested, totally recommend reading that book. But yeah, it's kind of this idea that if like we are in a constant state of stress, then that is going to cause disease, dis-ease, right? Like we're stressed out, we're anxious. It's always going to manifest in the body. Um, and, I, and I truly believe that. Like if your mind is balanced, then you're going to experience balance physically. So essentially, uh, acupuncture aims to achieve that balance. So they want to help people balance their chi energy, if you will. And it's said to improve your mood, improve your mental health, promote circulation, all of the above. Um, I think that I would put acupuncture above, uh, the first one we talked about, which was cupping. So I would be more likely to try acupuncture for me personally. I think I would prefer it. Um, again, it's that idea of like balancing out that energy. Um, and it's really interesting. There's not a super ton of, you know, science backed stuff in it from early times, but it's starting to get more attention, um, in science and modern medicine now. So it's said to help with a bunch of other things too. So allergies, anxiety and depression, chronic pain, often in your neck, uh, back, knees and the head, hypertension, insomnia, menstrual cramps, migraines, morning sickness, sprains, and also strokes. So the list goes on and on of the potential benefits of acupuncture and it's actually starting to be incorporated a lot more commonly in traditional medicine as well so people are approaching some of these alternative remedies uh with more of more of a sense of willingness i think too because they've started to establish their credibility a bit more i feel like some of these you know people may have just kind of dismissed at first but um i think that the more that people do this and the more that um, people share their experiences with it, the more that people become aware and try it out and find the benefits for themselves. Because again, there's so much in this universe that we don't understand. And even though some of these practices may not be fully backed by science, I mean, we don't have to understand how everything works for it to work. I mean, I always think about like electricity, right? 
we don't understand I don't understand at least how the lights are on like how that energy is transmitted what the inner workings of that are but I just know that it works like I just know that it provides me with light electricity and I think the same could be said about a lot of these things like Reiki or acupuncture you don't have to understand exactly how it works for it to work all right so this brings me to our next alternative remedy and that is hypnosis which is so fascinating to me. This one is probably the most interesting to me personally on this list. And it's something that is very um, intriguing just because I feel like hypnosis is maybe one of those times, you know, people always say we only tap into 10% of our mind. I feel like hypnosis may be one of those times where we somehow like access that other 90% of our brain, right? So hypnosis is a trance-like mental state in which people experience increased attention, concentration, and suggestibility. And while hypnosis is often described as a sleep-like state, it is better expressed as a state of focused attention, heightened suggestibility, and vivid fantasies. So that's kind of interesting right off the bat. A lot of times people think when, when you're hypnotized, oh, you're just going to sleep or something, but it's actually quite the opposite. It's almost like you're so mentally present and you're so hyper-focused, on whatever's in front of you that there is nothing else that you could even think about or conceive about. So people in a hypnotic state often seem sleepy and zoned out, but in reality, they are in a state of hyper-awareness. So there's a couple different forms of hypnosis. Uh, I have only tried one of these, so I will speak to that, but we'll just kind of go through them first. So first one is guided hypnosis. So this form of hypnosis involves the use of tools such as recorded instructions and music to induce a hypnotic state. Online sites and mobile apps often utilize this form of hypnosis. So that's pretty common. Um, I think you, you can find some YouTube videos of that. The next one is hypnotherapy. So hypnotherapy is the use of hypnosis in psychotherapy and is practiced by licensed physicians and psychologists to treat conditions including depression, anxiety, PTSD, and eating disorders. And the last type is self-hypnosis. So self-hypnosis is a process that occurs when a person self-induces a hypnotic state, and it is often used as a self-help tool for controlling. So out of the ones that uh, we have mentioned here, I have tried guided hypnosis before. So I want to kind of speak to that. I feel like for me, my experience with hypnosis was very similar to meditation, where you're not quite asleep, but again, you're also receptive to whatever is being said to you. And the way that I know that I'm not asleep when it happens is, while I don't remember everything that went on, the second that the person tells you to open your eyes or wake up, you do. You open your eyes and wake up, which to me signals that I'm not just asleep because I'm a pretty deep sleeper. And I don't think I would normally, like if I were napping and someone said that and there was sound going the entire time that I would just right at that second, wake up and open my eyes. So it's so bizarre that like you don't remember what's being said, but you feel really relaxed and you feel really good afterwards. So yeah, I did that. It was like a YouTube video. It was a long time ago. I don't even remember what the point of it was, but yeah, it was very relaxing. The person counts you down and then there's like a, it was like a half hour. There's like a 20 minute span of the hypnosis and I don't even remember what was like said in the middle of it. And then they say, open your eyes and you open your eyes. Um, and the similar thing happens to me when I do guided meditations. So I don't fall asleep, but I sometimes won't remember like what exactly was said. But again, as soon as like the person tells you to open your eyes or there's a sound to signal you or they count you into coming back, um, that you, you do it. 
Um, so it's really interesting. It's a very um, deepened sense of relaxation, I guess you would say. So experiments by research researcher Ernest Hilgard demonstrated how hypnosis can be used to dramatically alter perception. So this is really interesting. After instructing a hypnotized individual to not feel pain in their arm, the participant's arm was then placed in ice water. So while the non-hypnotized individuals had to remove their arm from the water after a few seconds due to the pain, the hypnotized individuals were able to leave their arms in the icy water for several minutes without experiencing pain. Guys, that is crazy. You think about ice water, even when, if you ever go outside in the snow and you have to like stick your hand in the snow without a glove, like that's painful if you even leave your hand in there for a few seconds. At least it is for me. So the fact that they were able to keep their arm in there for several minutes without experiencing pain, again, this just goes to show how much power your mind has over your body. Again, so much power. And that's what I love about alternative remedies is that they really seek to bridge the gap between mind and body. And I think that's something that a lot of modern medicine sometimes misses, um, or mainstream medicine, if you will, is kind of just like connecting the dots rather than separating those two things, at least in my opinion. All right. So the last one we are going to talk about, we have saved the coolest one for last, and that is sensory deprivation. So we're going to talk about sensory deprivation tanks. If you guys have never seen these before, they are crazy. I'm going to put a picture of one up on the screen so that you can see. But basically, it's like this little pod that you um, lay in. You're completely naked and it has a little bit of water in it. And sensory deprivation, so it's meant to block out like every single thing. So it's also called an isolation tank or a flotation tank, and it's used for restricted environmental stimulation therapy. So that's REST. That's what they call it. That's the acronym for it. And it is a dark soundproof tank that is filled with a foot or less of salt water. So the first tank was designed in 1954 by John C. Lilly. And he was an American physician and neuroscience. So he designed the tank to study the origins of consciousness by cutting off all external stimuli. Interesting uh, logic behind that. His research took a controversial turn in the 1960s. And that's when he began experimenting with sensory deprivation while under the effects of LSD, a hallucinogenic, and ketamine, which is a fast-acting anesthetic that is known for its ability to sedate and create a trance-like state. So in the 70s, the commercial float tanks were created and began being studied for possible health benefits. Um, Let me just say right off the bat that that sounds like the most horrifying experience, Um, being locked in this little pod with no external stimuli while tripping on LSD or ketamine. Oh my God, that sounds horrifying. Um, I don't think I could handle that. Uh, But yeah, so back to the uh, structure of the, the tank. So the water in the sensory deprivation tank is heated to skin temperature and it's nearly saturated with Epsom salt, uh, which provides buoyancy so that you float more easily. So the water is super buoyant. So it's, they kind of, um, they almost try to make it feel like you're, you're floating, like you're in nothing, right? So it's sensory deprivation. They just try to take away any attachment to sound, light, feeling, anything like that, um, So this is where it gets kind of interesting. So many people have reported having hallucinations in a sensory deprivation tank. And over the years, studies have shown that sensory deprivation does induce psychosis-like experiences. And a 2015 study divided 46 people into two groups based on how prone they were to hallucinations. 
and the researchers found that sensory deprivation induced similar experiences in both the high and low prone groups, and it also increased the frequency of hallucinations in those high prone groups, um, which is really interesting. So that almost kind of begs the question of the hallucinations continuing after you're out of the tank. Uh, But oddly enough, it's known to treat anxiety, relieve pain, increase creativity, improve cardio health um, by putting you in a place of deep relaxation and uh, just kind of like that mental creativity, I guess. Um, The thing that's really scary to me about this is that it's that like induced psychosis thing. Like that just seems so scary to me. Um, I've heard stories of people who have done uh, these sensory deprivation tanks and they are laying there and they've seen, you know, colors or like neon colors floating around them or they've heard music um, and obviously it's not there. And that like kind of freaks me out a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like it would be really relaxing. Um, but I don't know. There's a part of me that would be afraid to do that. Like no sound, no light, um, like nothing. I am the kind of person that I can't even sleep in silence. Like I have to have my fan on. I have to have like something and a like some sort of like light form too. So I'm really not good with just that total stillness, which maybe means I should give it a try. Maybe I could learn something from it. But I don't know, guys. It seems kind of scary to me. Like imagine that for a second. Just imagine like floating in that tank of nothing. And then you all of a sudden start like seeing things and hearing things and um, all kinds of stuff like that. Like that's kind of freaky. Um, but it could be kind of cool. I mean, maybe if you let go of the fear and you kind of just like lean into it a little bit and realize that, you know, it's not really there, it's not really happening, but you just kind of like ride the wave of it, I guess then it would be a bit more enjoyable, but I don't know. I'm torn on this one. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and rank them in what I would be most likely to do do again or try for the first time uh, and then we'll do the least likely. So I think first, the first one that we would do or the first one that I would do again is Reiki healing for sure. I would definitely be willing to try that again. Um, and I do believe in the power of it. So we'll put Reiki healing at number one. Um, the second one, hypnosis, like I said, I've tried guided hypnosis. I would be super receptive and super willing to try, um, other forms of hypnosis. I definitely believe in the power of that. So I would say hypnosis would be my second choice of most likely to try. After hypnosis, I would put uh, acupuncture. I think acupuncture seems like something I would be interested in. Again, um, really connecting the mind and the body and the energy that flows. Um, So acupuncture I would put. And then last place, hmm, last place or uh, second to last place, actually, I don't know, between cupping and a sensory deprivation tank. Um, Hmm. I think I would be more willing to try the sensory deprivation tank. The cupping thing, like I'm not really uh, personally, it doesn't seem like something I would really enjoy that much. Although the sensory deprivation tank totally scares me. Um, But yeah, I think that I would put cupping at the bottom. But my kind of takeaway from all of these, just even learning about them at a first glance, is that uh, they have such a strong... um, desire to connect the mind and the body like I said and a lot of these remedies go beyond just the physical right they try to kind of allow our bodies to like push like energetically kind of like release whatever it is that we are holding on to like stagnant energy 
Um, I did an episode with sober yoga girl Alex McCrobs. I'll leave a link to that here. And she was talking about how people sometimes in yoga, when they're in a pose for a really long time, um, will start to cry. And they don't even know why. And she was saying how it kind of coincides to when we store stress, we store emotions in our body and we hold on to them for so long, we may not even know that we're still holding on to them. So it has to be released. It has to be expressed. Um, and I think that's what some of these remedies try to do, or they try to just balance the energy and, and, and shift it and move it around in a way that serves you like Reiki um, and acupuncture. It's all about balance, balancing the energy. And energy is very real. It's a totally real thing. Again, everything in this universe is energy, vibration, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I can tell you, uh, Reiki, I totally felt it. And I totally believe in, you know, the um, the idea and the philosophy behind a lot of these remedies. I can see it. Um, and it's really cool to see, you know, ancient, you know, how these are tied to so many ancient practices and how they're still so relevant so many years later because um, they do work and people have really experienced results with them. So, um, yeah, I would honestly, I would try them all. I really would. Um, now that I've researched them, I'm going to leave links to my sources for a lot of these as well. So if you want to do some further research into any of these alternative remedies, um, obviously, you know, I'm not a doctor. Um, consult a health you know, professional or your doctor before trying any of these, make sure they're right for you. Um, I just figured it would be cool to kind of explore them and, and see what they're all about. So yeah, that's all I have for you today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've been enjoying, it would mean the absolute world to me if you left a review or some feedback or rating over on Apple Podcasts. That is a huge deal. Um, it lets Apple know that you're enjoying the show. It also lets me know that you're enjoying as well, and it means the world to me. Same thing over on YouTube. It really helps me out. Hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, whatever it might be. Drop me a comment. Have you tried any of these? What is your experience with them? I'd be so curious if somebody's tried a sensory deprivation tank. I'd love to hear about that. But yeah, let me know. Would you try any of these? Um, and if so, which one would be your first pick? But yeah, that's all I have for you today, guys. Thank you so much. Until next time, I'm sending you so much help, wealth, success, happiness, abundance. Peace, love, and joy. And I will see you next time. Thank you.